0: things Montessori community happy Tuesday of course I hope everybody's doing great I'm really excited about this week's episode I'm talking about all things social justice with the amazing Shelby Kretz she is the founder of Little Justice Leaders which is a curated box service that tackles all forms of justice issues and it's for parents teachers or just anybody wanting to incorporate a little bit more social justice into their lives. We talk all about it on the podcast, and I'm just so happy that she is here, and I really hope you enjoy. I want to give a special shout out to our Patreon community. Thank you guys so much for your support. I recently put out an episode celebrating the two-year anniversary of All Things Montessori, And I just really went back to why I started it in the first place, why when I came to Jamie with the idea, you know, why we even decided to do it. And I'm just so blown away when I look back at all that we have done and all the episodes that we have released. And I just thank you so much to our patrons for coming along on the ride. And thank you, everybody, just for being listeners and supporting the podcast. It can be a lonely thing doing a podcast sometimes because you're just putting your voice out into the void. But uh, your feedback, your emails, uh, anything really, really just completely lifts my spirits. And thank you so much. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can head on over to our Patreon. You can select a donation level. Um, Yeah, check it out. There's some cool stuff going on over there. But of course, it is not mandatory, obviously. And I, I, I really appreciate just anything. And especially, I appreciate you listening and sharing the podcast with me and with others. It is just fantastic. So without further ado, let's get into this exciting episode all about social justice. I'm so delighted today. I have a really exciting guest with me joining me today. I have Shelby Kretz with me. She is the founder of Little Justice Leaders. And we're gonna talk all things social justice today. I'm very excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, of course. So Little Justice Leaders, when I when I first got in contact with you, I I of course went to your website and It's such an amazing idea. So I I would love to know how it came about, what the inspiration was. Um, And I guess maybe you can tell everybody what it is first and then... We can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, thank you. I uh, appreciate
1: the kind words. Little Justice Leaders is a subscription box for educators and families to teach their young children, so K through six, about uh, social justice issues. So we take complex issues of justice and break them down in a kid-friendly way. For elementary school students, and um, it's a monthly subscription box. So every month we cover a different topic of social justice. And mm-hmm. I originally I've been doing this since we've been doing this since uh, 2018. So it's been just over three years oh. now. And the idea came. I I'm an educator. I've been working in education, and I've spent a lot of time in schools uh, talking to teachers, talking to parents, and kind of a common theme I was hearing was that folks didn't know how to address issues of justice in a way that was age appropriate, even though they knew that their kids were being exposed to issues in the news, in the media, they they weren't sure how to, how to talk about it. And so they just weren't talking about it. So this was, you know, uh, kind of alarming to me because I know it's so important for young people to understand what's going on because the the media can cause so much fear and confusion and misinformation. And at such a crucial time when they're forming their understanding of the world. So I thought, you know, maybe we could do something to help uh, kind of give some tangible resources for parents and teachers, because of course we know teachers are busy, parents are busy. They cannot be experts on every single issue of social justice um, as much as we all all may wish to be. Um, It's just not realistic for most of us. So how can we, you know, do that for them and break it down in a way that's age appropriate, right? Because it can be very hard to know like what what is appropriate to talk to a kindergartner, a fourth grader, or you know, a 10th grader. So
0: breaking it down for them in that way as well. Wow. So when you say breaking it down, you know, for each age group, can you talk through a little bit what you mean? I mean, I can, I can kind of speculate in my, in my mind, but I, I do think it's so crucial to talk about it really as early as possible, but also to do it with care and to do it in the right way. Absolutely.
1: So about that? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This is something we're thinking a lot about with all of the content that we put out. It's like, okay, how do we make sure this is aligned with you know child development and psychology um, and yeah. how kids learn and how kids connect to information? Because otherwise, it's just it's going to miss the mark and you can cause a lot of harm, right? Um, which of course we all want to avoid doing if you're um you know not careful about how you present these issues because some of them can be very scary for young people. They can be scary for adults. So yeah, we're thinking always about, you know, this K through six age range, which is very important developmentally as they're starting to really understand the world around them. And for the first time, yeah. start to gr- grasp a sense of, you know, the, the rest of the world outside of their own, their own bubble of their life. And but again, like keeping in mind that child development. So, for example, um we steer parents and educators away from ever showing like violent or graphic images that might be shown on the news or in the media. Um, and instead focusing on, you know, being honest about the challenges, but also, you know, wrapping it in the positives a lot more than you might need to, for example, with high school students or college students. Um so that, those are the types of things we'll be thinking about when we're like, okay, we need to make sure that this is, you know, appropriate for their age. And then also, you know, we think a lot about these are complex issues and we don't want kids to walk away thinking they're simple. So we don't want to simplify the issues, right? We want to bring the issues in all their complexity to the table while still breaking it down in a way that the kids do understand, right? So that might mean metaphors, right? We connect this to an experience that they've had, for example, bullying. Like, have you ever seen someone, you know, experience bullying? It can be, you know, and then you can connect that to an issue of justice so that they can tangibly understand it. We also do that through story. So whether that those are books or stories of real people who, you know, have experienced a a situation or, you know, been through, um, some kind of experience so we'll share their stories again like through books through other media and that's one way that kids can really tangibly connect to an issue and start to understand it without and and see it in all its complexity with you know in a way that that makes sense to to um you know how they understand the world
0: well i think it's such a fine line between you know, with elementary students specifically, I mean, that's who I, what I'm trained in to work with and who right. I've worked with the most. And they, they have such amazing minds and they're so curious and, and there's a really fine line because they're still children, but they can really process real information. And they're also not, they're like, don't lie to me. Like I, I know what's going on. So there's this sort of fine line between like really being honest but not like you're saying, scaring the living wits out of them. Right. Right. I remember when I was in the classroom, this is a, this is a different issue. And I don't, I don't want to say one issue is greater or less than another, but it was a big deal. I used to live. um, I used to teach outside DC Mm -hmm. and it was the first year that the women's March happened after the Trump inauguration and all of that happened. And I remember I had a really young class. They were six and seven year olds, but they just really wanted to talk about what was going on. And I was kind of naive because I didn't understand that they would really be in tune with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some really great conversations came out of that, but I kind of, I remember having a moment being like, do I even bring this up? Cause they were asking me about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. Yeah. My point is, I think that a lot of things that are happening with social justice and all of the things happening in the world, a lot of teachers, and I mean, I'll just be honest, like as a white woman, as a white teacher, feeling really uncomfortable and just needing to get over that and like, just because it's so important. Right. So
1: absolutely. And I think that's the experience that a lot of teachers had. I mean, especially, I mean, always, but really, Um, it's become more apparent in the past five years or so when um, we've seen so much, you know, more in the media and with kids having so much more access to media. So I think um, a lot of teachers grappled with that. And I love to hear that you had those conversations, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, because I think a lot of teachers didn't right? because, you know, they didn't feel equipped or they weren't sure how to do it. And It is scary and it is hard. And sometimes you're absolutely going to make mistakes, Uh, you know, even if you are, for example, an expert on one area of of justice, right? Maybe you're, you have a lot of expertise in anti-racism or you have a lot of expertise in environmental sustainability, but you can't be an expert on every issue or very few people, you know, unless that's right. the, your kind of full time job that you're keeping tabs on every issue um, and mm-hmm. really understanding it and then being able to like turn it into education. So, like even if, you know, you have expertise in those things, you might not know a lot about disability justice or you might not know a lot about LGBTQ identities and, you know thinking through like these things, they're all going to be coming up in the media more and more, hopefully, because we want a national yeah. and international conversations on these, things, on these things. So it's good that we're seeing more and more people having these conversations. And, you know, teachers and parents need to be more and more equipped because
0: we're not going to see less of this as time goes on. We're going to see more right. of it. Right. And the last thing you want is for a student in your class or in your school to feel like they are seeing things on the news media, whatever, um, that relate to them specifically, but then that, Oh, well, they don't talk about it at school. So I guess it doesn't matter.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, and, and kids notice what we don't say, you know, as much as what we do say. So I think, you know, that was a huge part of the issue too, is like, you know, if we're not talking about it, what, what does that signal about the level of importance? And then, you know, even for kids who may not identify with that, issue personally. So let's say like white kids when they're seeing something about um anti-racism or racism in the news um and then you know the teachers aren't talking about it the family's not talking about it it signals to them that it's not important and then we just raise another generation of young people who are ignoring issues
0: that aren't um pertinent to their lives. Right? Right. This the wheel keeps turning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about the curated boxes that are in the in the little justice leader subscription. So does every box cover a different topic? Are there, can you kind of curate? I don't know. Tell me a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So every
1: box is a different topic. We've never repeated a box in the past 30 months or so. Um, maybe someday we would, but I don't, I'm not running out of ideas anytime soon. Um, We generate ideas from our community. We take different takes on all of the um, kind of big issues, right? We cover a lot, you know, we cover race, gender, um, sexual orientation, environmental sustainability, disability, religious freedom, you know, we kind of have a, a range of topics that we typically cover, but we'll look at them in different ways from different lights, different angles, different connections. And so oh. I don't see us running out of topics anytime no. soon. Um, <laughs> every box will have, um, you know, that specific theme, and they'll, we have a children's book in there um, for them to, you know, obviously learn a bit about it through a book. We have a craft or activity to do, um, you know, a hands on type of thing to do as you're yeah. talking and learning about it. We have a piece of activist art to put up in your classroom or home um, that mm-hmm. might be a sticker, a magnet, a poster, something fun like that. And then cool. we have a set of information cards for the adult to um, mm-hmm. start to learn and process. So, you know, tips for adults, conversation starters. We have a nonprofit spotlight that we donate money to every month that's related to the theme. And then there's a book guide to go with the book and then some extra work. Oh, that kind of thing for the educators. So that's kind of like the anatomy of
0: every single box. It's just, every box is going to be a different theme. I love that. And mm-hmm. that's so helpful. I mean, I think the one thing that I have gotten, I've gotten kind of in a rut about, but then had to like persevere was just complete fear of saying the wrong thing, which and I, if I think about it, like, of course I'm going to say the wrong thing because mm-hmm. I've just systematically been brought up to believe certain things and also, you know, my own experiences, I live a pretty privileged life. So it's, it's, it's pretty, um, impossible for me not to say something incorrectly, but having the wherewithal and the grace to know that, um, I'm in a privileged position and, if the worst thing that's happening to me is that I'm getting something wrong, like I just need to like get over myself.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, that, that's the case and it's hard, right? That's easy to say. And it's yeah. hard to do, right. Especially when you have a bunch of little faces looking back at you and they're sure. counting on you to do the right thing. Right. And you don't always know. Um, right. So I know yeah, it's a big struggle for a lot of teachers and a lot of teachers do come from a place of privilege. So being able yeah. to to step back and and step into that discomfort, it's, it's challenging. It definitely is, you know, a lifelong process of learning and unlearning.
0: Yeah, definitely. Learning and unlearning. That's a great way to put it. So speaking um, from a classroom perspective, Mm -hmm. any teachers that are kind of, you know, thinking about their social justice journey and how they want to create more of a presence in their classroom. um, Obviously we have the little justice leaders box, but perhaps there's not room in the budget for that or something. Do you have any, any thoughts or any kind of guidelines for just some small things that can make a big difference? Yeah, absolutely. So, so many
1: things, but a few like really (laughs) good places to start, I think is setting up a culture in your classroom. And even if you haven't done this from the first day, you can start to do this later in the year, setting up a culture of, of questioning, right? So even like, That means allowing the students to question you and your authority and and your expertise, setting up this idea of, you know, we're kind of all equals. We all come here as learners, including the educator. And that sets a tone for openness, right? Reflection, question, allowing them to ask those questions that maybe they don't feel safe asking um, anybody else because no one else is talking about like, you know, the anti-immigration rhetoric that's on the news right now. And I don't know where to go, but you set up that kind of just that safety zone in your classroom. Um, I think that that's a really, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, but that's important thing to do to lay the groundwork. One, you know, really tangible thing um, that you can do for that is asking everyone to share their pronouns from the beginning, um, letting students know that, you know, pronouns are important and that sets the stage for an inclusive classroom. You know, again, this is not ongoing work, but like, really like just letting everyone know we can call each other in Um And have, you know, difficult conversations, we can disagree. And this looks different at the kindergarten level than it does at the sixth grade level. But obviously, you know, teachers are very skilled in facilitating the age, um, the age differences there. So I think that's one thing. That's a really good place to start. A second thing that is, you know, talked about a lot, but I think not necessarily implemented all the time is like really rethinking what diversity looks like in your classroom. So I think the the surface level of that, which people are talking about a lot, and that's good is, you know, diverse books. The challenge is I think people are pretty much looking at racial diversity only, and they're looking at their library only. Um, I want to like push that to think about all issues of justice in terms of diversity and representation in your classroom and think beyond the library too, right? So yes, diverse books, please. Um, Racial diversity, disability, um, gender diversity, LGBTQ identities, like religious diversity, incorporating all of those different things, all of those different issues. um, When you're thinking about what does a diverse classroom library look like? But also like, what are the posters on the wall? What are the examples that I'm using? What are the names I'm using in word problems? Mm-hmm. Like all the way down to that, the stories mm-hmm. that we share, the, the pictures that we use as examples, all of the things that we're using, like on a PowerPoint, for example, every piece of the classroom, it's how could I incorporate more diversity, more inclusion, and more representation mm-hmm. this way? So I think that's the second thing. And then the third thing I would recommend strongly is really trying to focus on positive examples that aren't necessarily focused on the issue themselves. So this is so especially important at the elementary school level. Right. Mm -hmm. So introducing, um, for example, in a unit on science, if you're looking at scientists introducing, you know, black female scientists and not actually calling them out for those identities but just having that as part of the lesson right introducing uh disabled mathematicians um and not making that part of the lesson right (laughs) Uh, reading a book uh that features an LGBTQ family and not making that part of the lesson. It's just right. part of the classroom. It's just part of how you speak. It's, and it becomes the norm. Um, so it's really setting those positive examples so that that, because that sets the baseline for what, yeah. you know, young people see
0: and how they form or don't form stereotypes. It's so true. And it's, you know, even just hearing you say those, those few examples of how just embedded these just norms we have are in the classroom. Like, for example, when you said word problems, I just started thinking about that, and then thinking about any kind of story I would tell um, classroom. Like, what who who wrote that story? Who was about that? Like, what was that story about? But then I love how you're saying, don't make it a point. Don't make the point of the story about racial injustice or mm-hmm. um, LGBTQ injustice. I mean, there's a time and a place for that, of right. course, because it's important, but. Just having it be all inclusive, you know, it's it's one of those things I've sort of learned over the past few years. Um, it just takes a little bit more effort. Yes, because just a little bit more. Go to auto, auto. Like I did this in school, la 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 la. So it's just like you're automatically going to that place that you already know. And if you sit there and exactly those examples you just said, that would take like five extra minutes. Right. But it makes such a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right that it just does become the normal because what I have learned, and I, I don't like that I learned it this late in my life, but one, what I have learned about all of the injustices in the world is that once you see it, you really can't unsee it. And I feel like the same is for the children because right. once it's like that, then it's just going to be like that, you know? Exactly
1: exactly that and like this you setting the positive example sets that as the baseline in their head right so then you know if they see so many positive examples of you know black scholars black authors black characters you know for a white student for example by the time they're 7 and they mm-hmm. start to really like grapple with the idea of racism it it makes it doesn't make any sense to them because they're like, but you know, this doesn't fit with the framework of, of what I understand race to be. And that's what we want them to feel when they, you know,
0: first come into understanding it. Exactly. You know, I I think I I'm reflecting just on one area of the classroom that, um, so I'm a musician, so I love the music, uh, materials in the, in the Montessori classroom. But Mm -hmm. the funny thing about the music materials in the Montessori classroom is they're pretty much, you know, the three players of both uh, Mozart, Bach and Beethoven. And it's how limiting is that? And like, I'm not doubting, any of their geniuses or skills, but just in general, that is so limiting that we just continually go back to the same. It's like boring, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good example and gets so
1: much to the heart of the issue. I mean, the same issue with, you know, high schools that are assigning only the
0: classics, right? Like, right, right. yeah, it's so limiting. So limiting, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Um, so what's the feedback that you've gotten with little justice leaders? Have you gotten any feedback from teachers and parents and stuff? Yeah, quite, quite a lot over the years. Um, Overall, like positive. I think people really,
1: really appreciate um, the kind of done-for-you lessons, the um, the conversation starters, the tips, the all of those things that kind of make it easier. For me, my favorite, you know, bit of you know feedback or what I hear from folks is that you know after they've been doing it for a year or two, so they've had you know twelve or twenty boxes, um, just so much in their identity starts to shift as an educator, as a parent, in terms of, um, you know, their ability to address these things in the moment, their the the breadth of their knowledge on so many different topics, their ability to spot the issues, like what you said, where, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And once you've seen it from 12 different lenses through 12 different issues, um, you start to see it everywhere else. And you start to just become so much more skilled at facilitating those conversations and integrating it into the classroom without even realizing it. I see teachers changing policies and shifting practices, um, that they've done for years because they're just seeing the injustice in it now, or they're seeing kind of, um, you know, the, the problematic aspect of it now and, and taking those issues then to the administration for a school-wide level or a district-wide level. So that's what Mm -hmm. gets me like really excited is when like, a teacher who, you know, originally, you know, thought they weren't so ready to take on these conversations, suddenly a year or two later has become an advocate for their whole district to engage in in justice learning.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, teachers have, I mean, Teachers do everything, I swear. Yes, they do. (laughs) They do everything, but it's so great that, um, you know, I'm just reflecting on my own experience in the classroom and and thinking about having such a helping hand with, you know, with these curated boxes where, you know, obviously we all want to do better and want to have, you know, want to include that in the classroom, but having that as sort of like your first step or like, you know, just to help you out. Right. Um, I think that's fantastic, and it just sort of, you know, what's important is that. This is being shown to children that things are changing um, because I know a lot of teachers, I was hard on myself about this a lot, but I think, you know, any kind of help, any, any kind of step forward is progress. So that's, that's so great to hear that, that teachers, cause I can understand that being like, I don't know how to do this. I'm really, really overwhelmed um, and feeling like really bad about it, um, right. you know, so that's awesome. I love that. Absolutely.
1: It's been, it's been really fun and exciting to kind of see the journeys of so many teachers doing
0: this. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so fun to chat about. It it's, has. Such big, it's such a big issue. Yes. Um, we could talk for a long time. <laughs> I know. And I'm just so glad that, um, that this is available and out there. I will link your amazing website below so people can check it out awesome. um, and maybe incorporate it into their classroom or their home environment. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not in the budget for folks, we put out a ton of free
1: content on our Instagram because we just are, we want to get this information out. That's, you know, our primary goal, of course. Um, so our Instagram or our email list is going to be a really good place to get all the tips, all the information. If you know, the box isn't
0: uh, going to be possible
1: for you right now
0: that's fantastic. And I'll, and I'll link that um, okay. below. So people can check that out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. This has been so fun to chat.
1: It has. Thank you, Rachel.